I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Uh, for the past several weeks, we've been looking at the, this book, and we've been considering uh, the good life, of the, the life of wisdom. And so today, we're actually wrapping up this sermon series by considering parenting. And we will do that as soon as I can get this device to unlock, because all my notes are here. There we go. Now, and so... As we get started with this, and before we even jump into God's Word this morning, uh, I'd like to frame this in a certain way, that one, a few years ago, I read this book by one of my favorite authors, Tish Harrison Warren, that she wrote this book, A Prayer in the Night, that number one, I knew it was going to be excellent. She's my favorite writer, and she's sharing uh, her life very personally, and she's, uh, it's a great book. And as I, I read it, I think within a week and a half, it was d a deeply moving book. But I was, as I was having a conversation with a friend about this book, a friend said that this book should have come with a trigger warning. And yes, it should have, because it was a deeply, um, it was a very d deep in, and book that just dealt with the, the matters of the heart. And as we come to Proverbs this morning, we're going to be considering the subject of parenting. And this is al almost like a trigger warning because many times the book of Proverbs can actually be misused and, in fact, abused when it comes to family life, marriage, gender, and, and so many more things. And that's actually not necessarily because that's not because of the word of God, but that's actually how God's word is handled and treated. And, but as we'll find, as we get into these verses, it's actually easy to see how these words can be used, not for God's agenda, but actually for our uh, wrong agendas. And we'll see how that it becomes clear in a few moments. But the verses, we have many different verses for us this morning to look at. And so you can see the list of verses on the screen behind me. You can look at your worship guide as well, but we'll be jumping around between some different verses here in Proverbs, beginning with Proverbs 10, verse 1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Jumping to Proverbs 17, verse 6. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. In 19.26. He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. 22 verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Verses 23. Chapter 23, verses 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. In Proverbs 29, verse 15 and 17. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give Delight to your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Amen. 
Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your word that you have given to us, that these words are given so that we would have life, that we would know your love, that we would grow in wisdom. So Father, we pray that you would minister to us through your word this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. As we, we begin to think about parenting from Proverbs, here's a simple question to really get at what Proverbs is talking about this morning. And it's this, what do children need from their parents? What do children need from their parents? And this is a question that if you would give some thought to it, you would be able to answer this question with stories from your own experience. But as you would perhaps even hear this question, it is a question that can bring up feelings of disappointment, of shame, of regret, anger, because that as you think about your own family life, there, can, there is going to be many different thoughts and experiences that arise from this. And that parents, as you would hear the, this question, it could even bring up feelings of shame and disappointment in a different way because you have your own standards for your own parenting. But this question of what do parents children need from their parents. To answer this question from Adam Young, he's a counselor and a podcast host of The Places We Find Ourselves. he says that children need six things from their parents. Attunement is number one, where parents would be dialed in and attuned to their children's needs or feelings. Responsiveness is number two, where parents would respond to these needs and these feelings. Engagement is the third thing where parents are willing to play or engage with their parents in the things that are of interest to their children. Number four would be the ability to help regulate their feelings so that parents can soothe their children and calm their children and help their children. Five would that parents that children need parents who are strong enough to handle all their emotions, their negative emotions, that a, a child needs the, the ability to tell their parent, I don't like you, and a parent needs to be grounded enough to continue to love them. And then lastly, this willingness to repair is the sixth thing. So this is Adam's young and coming up with six good things that children need from their parents. And Proverbs, amazingly, is a demonstration of all of these things. And these 31 chapters of Proverbs are a collection of conversations between a father and his son. And the father is reminding his son, even of his mother's counsel, do not forget your mother's instruction, that this book is a picture of a father who is attuned to his son's needs. He's engaging with him. He's handling these big questions and the needs that this son is going through. This, so this whole book of Proverbs is an expression of parenting. But there are things that Proverbs would add to this list, that very specifically parents need to cultivate, parents need to cultivate a heart that is aware of God, and parents need to cultivate wisdom. That children need to be able to look at their parents and see parents who are submitting to God. So these are two things that children also need to see from their parents. But all of this is a very lengthy and complex way to get at a simple question. 
of what is a parent, of what is a parent. In fact, what are parents for? These are the questions I want us to think about this morning from the book of Proverbs. But as we think about this and to answer this question of what is a parent, God created Adam and Eve in the garden. God, when God created Adam and Eve, he created humanity, yes, and he also created families. He, and he, gave, he created parents that he tells Adam and Eve to fill the earth and subdue it, to have babies, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And so what we see is about family life and parenting are expressions of culture making and dominion, that everything in creation is meant to be under the authority of God, including parenting. Adam and Eve are meant to look, we're called by God to look to him for cues in their parenting. And so simply what this means is that parents are stewards. Parents are stewards. This is to answer that question, that parents are stewards. Now, many parenting problems arise when we forget this foundational truth and replace it with something else, where we replace stewardship and adopt an ownership view of parenting. And this ownership view of parenting would, would be when a parent looks at a child and says that these children here are mine and I can parent them in any way I see fit. That's ownership parenting. It is motivated and shaped by what the parents want for their children and want from their children. It's shaped by what our hopes and our dreams are for our children instead. But Scripture tells us not to be owners. That Psalm 127, verse 3, talks about that children are a good gift of the Lord. They are a heritage of the Lord. And within that phrase, there's two things just to highlight, that children are a gift, but also children are the Lord's. And so this means that God's design for parents is that we would be, as parents, God's agents in the life of children whom he has entrusted to parents, entrusted to parents to form and to shape God's character in their life. Because God uses parents in hit the lives of his children to work out his grace. That is what God wants us to do as parents. And so to answer that question, what is a parent and what are parents for? Simply, parents are stewards. But the, what p- these stewards are given for is that they are called by God to cultivate a heart that is open and sensitive to God. And frankly, that is beyond everyone and anyone And so if if you're an outline person, we're thinking about the inability of parenting right now. The inability of parenting. That this, we need to acknowledge that this is beyond us. And this is challenging because we like to think that if we we are a parent, or if you are a parent, that, that you can be a good parent. That you can be an able parent. But that is a myth. And here's why. There's some chuckling. And here's some why, here's why, and this should be freeing here too. Because God did not create human beings to be independently able. God did not create us to say, hey, I got this. You can go to behind the scenes now. No, God created us so that we would be dependent. God made us so that you would be God made all of us to be dependent. And this is why hard for us to believe. This is contrary to this perfectionist spirit that lurks within our hearts. 
And because this is not a sign of personal weakness, this is not a sign of failure, of character, to feel as where I'm not good, I'm not a good parent, or I'm unable to do this, I don't know how to do this. In fact, this is a consistent theme throughout Scripture. Here are some verses. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the, one that be, the very first beatitude. But then you have 1 Corinthians, that God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. And the simple point to highlight is that we are needy. We are needy. And so problems arise in our life when we forget our neediness. But problems also arise in our life when we look to everything else to fill that need in our life. And so this happens within parenting in very specific ways. Parents look to children to fill that void of neediness. That you may have this view of yourself to say, I need to look good and successful so children don't make me look bad. We can see this in different ways where we can look to our possessions or our pleasures, to our careers, to fill that need and that void in our life so that I need significance. I need to be known as a good worker. And so I'm known to work long hours and not be present at home or in my relationships. And so we are needy people, and so problems arise when we forget our neediness or look to anything but God to fill that need. In fact, there's freedom here because there's no shame in admitting our neediness. Because when we admit our neediness, we're admitting a wonderful truth about how God has made us. That we have limits and that we are needy and that neediness can only be fulfilled and by Jesus Christ. So bringing this to parenting, that parenting is beyond us, that no one is competent, no one is sufficient, no one is able to do this work, and God calls us in our inability to do important things so that he would get the glory. And this is true for everything, that everything worth doing is actually beyond you. That's um, Zach Eswine. But that is an incredible truth, that everything worth doing is beyond you. And so God is at work within your life. He is at work in your life. And so if you're a parent, God's at work in your life so that your life as a parent would not be easy, convenient, or predictable. That's God, and that spills out into the rest of our lives as well. That God is at work within you, not so that your life would be easy or convenient, so, in fact, he calls you to do the impossible to parent a child for a specific reason. So that in your search for help, in your search for someone to fill your need, you will actually find a helper and the person to meet your needs. God wants you to find him. And there, this is the gift of the inability of parenting here that God actually meets our needs. And so what do children need from parents? Come back to that big question. Children need to see their parents admit their need for Jesus over and over and over again. That children need to see parents who are confessing their sin, owning their mistakes, owning their sins and their failures. That children need to see their parents admit their inability 
to parents. And here's the, like, here's the, here's the irony. Because no child actually wants to be parented by parents who think they're able and capable. Because parents who think they are capable tend to be proud and self-assured. That they're so proud of their ability, they act too quickly and with self-confidence. That they lack patience. They lack understanding. That capable parents tend to expect the same things from their children that they expect from themselves, which only is demanding. And when they fail... When their children fail to meet those standards, there's no tenderness, there's no compassion. Because this capable parenting mindset expects performance from their children. They want their children to be the performance award for their own parenting. And so children need parents who embrace their inability, and this is desperately important because as parents, parents have more in common with their children than otherwise. So come back to Proverbs here, that all of us lack wisdom apart from God's grace, that rebellion and waywardness is actually a part of our sinful nature. Think about the hymn, there's... Come thou fount, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. That is the way of our hearts. And so when we think about what Proverbs is telling us is that we, we actually have a lot more in common as parents with our children than otherwise and children with their parents. And so, but that's the, the inability of parenting. But there's another reality to consider as well. And it's about this idea of being reparented. And when you th- in parenting literature, this is a very common idea that you'll hear this phrase, reparent as you parent. That's the phrase you may hear. And the simple idea is that in our parenting, there, our parenting is going to be shaped by fear, control, regret, and so much more. And so what we need to, to have in that, those moments, we need to have our parenting reshaped. Or in the language of the, all this literature, we need to be reparented. And this actually is a wonderful insight into something that God does for us. Because we need to be reparented by the, our Heavenly Father. This is the second point that we need to be reparented by our Heavenly Father. Here are a few verses. 2 Corinthians 6.18, God says this, I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and you will be my daughters. And so we see within the gospel this wonderful work of adoption that he has added us, he has added you into his family, that you have received a spirit of adoption by whom we call God Abba Father. So we get to call our Heavenly Father, Daddy, our Dad. That is the intimacy that we have with Him. And so the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are God's children, then we're also heirs. This is the gospel of adoption. And so here's this picture that God is our perfect Heavenly Father. And as we prayed in our prayer of adoration, that we have no idea of what parenting is or what parenting looks like apart from God. Because God is actually the author of parenting. 
that we did not create the idea of father or parenting, but God did. And so God actually comes to us. He comes to us in the gospel. He pursues us, and he adopts us who were once orphans, who were once children of wrath. He adopts us and makes us his own children. And Jesus is the one who comes to us to rescue us. And so he now dwells within you through the Holy Spirit. He's at work within you. This is all incredibly good news because we are being reparented by our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father is loving and he is patient. So how often do you lose patience with a coworker, a family member, a spouse, a child? I feel like I lose my patience multiple times every day. Like, how often do you lose your patience? But here's a picture of our Heavenly Father, that He is steadfast, He is loyal, He is faithful. The words of assurance from 1 Timothy is that Paul says this, that I received mercy for this reason, that in me as foremost, Jesus Christ might, might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. See, our Heavenly Father is patient with us. He is faithful to us despite our faithlessness and our own impatience. So have you ever felt ready just to move on, just to be done with things, to run away? But what our Heavenly Father does is that he actually never runs Away, He actually runs to you. He pursues you. Think about Luke 15 and the parable of the prodigal son, that the prodigal son is actually the fool. As we were reading some of these verses from Proverbs, here's the foolish son who's ashamed to the father, and he's ashamed to the mother, that the foolish prodigal son says to the father, I wish you were dead. Just give me my inheritance now. I want to be done with you. And what, as, so as the prodigal son leaves, the heavenly, and he, then he comes back, the father sees him off in the distance, and he does not wait for the prodigal son to actually come back to him. He actually runs to him. This is what our heavenly father does. He doesn't run away, he runs to us. He is never just, I'm just he never says, I'm just done with you. He's actually faithful and loyal to you. As we heard about that in the call to worship, that God is merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love. In so many places in Scripture, he shows steadfast love for many generations. And so there's this one prayer, uh, and I'll send this out um, tomorrow in a separate email. But there's this prayer by Scotty Smith, and he says this, that, Father, I also need you to reparent me as a parent. Make me a different parent of my own children. You have already forgiven me for the years I spent parenting by fear and control. So now I pray for the redeeming of those years. And that won't happen apart from the love of Jesus. And so here's the wonderful truth. That God loves you more than your parents. God loves you more than your parents. He loves your children more than you do. And in his incredible, good, and wise plan that may seem to blow your mind, he has entrusted particular children to you as parents to love and to parent. And this brings us to a third point of the school of parenting. The school of parenting. And the contention that I have been making this entire time is that our parenting needs to be shaped by our father's parenting. Parenting. 
Because if we miss this, then everything else is going to be skewed. But what Proverbs actually wants us to see, and this was what many of our Proverbs were about, is that Proverbs wants us to see that the family is actually meant to be the center of moral formation. That the family is meant to be the center of becoming wise. So we read this verse, raise up a child in the way that they should go. And so the message of these Proverbs is to raise up children in the way of wisdom. That families are meant to be where children are schooled in the way of wisdom. And it's not school. Schools are not the place where children are meant to be schooled in the way of wisdom. Or I should say primarily schooled in the way of wisdom. It's not sports. It's not the government. It's not even primarily the church. All of these things are good, yes, but the primary place that God wants children to be schooled in the way of wisdom is in the family. And now to completely come out of left field, I'm going to bring in the one of the Ten Commandments. There's this commandment to honor your father and your mother. And I'm going to ask you to bear with me here for a moment because this commandment speaks to more than just our family life here. Now, this is a commandment about honoring people in authority over us. It could be spiritual leaders, civic leaders, parents, and more. And so the Westminster Larger Catechism asks the question, so why, so why in the world, you can almost hear it saying, so why in the world does this commandment use parental terms to describe our leaders? And I love the answer. Because the answer is this, because our leaders are meant to express our Father's love and tenderness and compassion. See, parents are called to display our Heavenly Father's character in parenting. And parents do this in very, very powerful ways. And it's a focused love. And as I opened up this, this time, looking at these verses, I, this is why Proverbs can come, needs to come with a trigger warning at times. Because parents have incredible power and influence in the lives of their children. And when our parenting does not reflect the father's love and care, it does harm. And that's something just to truly acknowledge here. And so as we think about the school of parenting, what should our, how should our parenting what should our parenting look like and, and how do we go about this that our parenting should display the father's love and care, but how do we go about this? Well, parents simply, there's this call to love your children, to enjoy them, to be engaged with them, to, to say, children, I like you and you matter to me. And we know that this type of engagement is seen through physical presence through conversations, through having both the quality time and the quantity of time. And that we should also sh show and demonstrate that we care more about our children's behavior, that we also care about our children's hearts and decisions and behaviors. And where Scripture goes with this, it's like Ephesians 6. It goes through instruction and discipline. That's what Proverbs says for us, that this happens through instruction and discipline. Thinking about instruction for a moment. That instruction is necessary for a simple reason, and it's that our hearts are rebellious and our hearts are wayward. That 
every single one of us are prone to wander, and we need to be instructed in the ways of God. That's what Scripture is given for. And so when we bring, come back to parenting, just to highlight this, our children, especially, 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 especially at a very young age, our children don't know what they're doing. Seriously, a two-year-old, do they know why they don't want peas right now? Besides, they don't like it? Like, no. Like, my kids love Spider-Man, but who doesn't, actually? And the, but this is actually where instruction is very important. That there are many things to celebrate about Spider-Man, because with great power comes great responsibility. Yes, thank you. But there's so many elements to appreciate, but is it actually good for a child, like a teenager, to have a secret identity kept secret from their parents? No. And here's toddlers watching Spider-Man on Disney Channel. It's like, but that's being celebrated. The point I'm making is that parents need to instruct thing, their children in the way of wisdom. And so that's what instruction simply means. Talk to your kids about life and the ways of God and seek to bring them up in that way. So that's instruction. And now let's think about discipline. And there are many verses that are given here, and these verses can easily be misused by parents in uh, abusive ways, justifying anger and irritation and frustration. And this is actually why the call to confession was Ephesians 6. Because Ephesians 6, 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And I've noticed that these are words, that there are words in my children's life that elicit a very strong response. And now, just because of that dynamic does not mean I should not discipline them. It actually means I should be very focused on how my children, children will react to not only what I say, but how I say it, the tone and words that I use. I need to use my knowledge of my children to discipline them. But look at this word discipline. You should actually see this word disciple also there. Discipline and disciple are closely related to one another. And so as I'm throughout this entire sermon, I'm making the argument that our parenting must reflect God's parenting to us. And God actually does discipline us for our good and his glory, that these two things are intertwined. Now, here's Hebrews 12, 6. The Lord disciplines the son whom he loves. He chastises every one of his children. And so here's Richard Loveless in his book, The Dynamics of Spiritual Renewal. If we interrupt the process of sanctification by procrastinating in meeting an issue that God has set before us or by reverting to a posture of backsliding unbelief, God in his love will inevitably bring our lives into circumstances of failure, frustration, or suffering that are, is meant to draw us back to repentance and to him. See, our Heavenly Father exercises discipline in our life. And this is not as an expression of hatred, but actually of love for us. 
And the message of Proverbs is that parents must not let children do whatever they want. Instead, parents must teach their children that they have actually been born into a world of authority. And they are not the authority or the center of the universe. This is actually a truth that we need to hold on to as well, even in our parenting. That we live in this world of authority and we are not the center, central authority that in fact we are stewards in our children's life. That sin is actually what deceives us here. And sin makes us want to do our own thing. And sin makes us want to set our own rules. Sin causes me to want to do different things than I want to do. Sin is what makes us resist advice and counsel and instruction from other people. Sin is actually what puts us at the center of things. And that's the one place I must never be because that's where God is for God to be God. And thankfully, this is why Jesus died. That Jesus died so that we would no longer live for ourselves. That's 2 Corinthians 5.15. And so here's what this means. Applying this to all to our parenting. That mom and dad, you have no ability at all with the tone of your voice, the force of your personality, the fit your physical size by your threats, to actually deliver your children from the self-rule of their own hearts. If you would have that power, then Jesus Christ died for nothing. Jesus Christ's death would not have not been necessary. Yet, Jesus did place you in the, your children's life to help them see through their self-centered mess. And so, In fact, if you parent by fear, what happens at the end of the day when your children no longer fear you? If you parent by control, what happens when your children realize that you actually can't control them? The answer to this, according to the Proverbs logic, is that when they get older, they'll just go do whatever they want to do. But our parenting must be shaped by the Heavenly Father's parenting. And this is God's amazing plan. This is God's amazing design for us as parents, that he makes us visible authority figures uh, as his representatives in their lives. And so as parents, our, we must think about God's character. We must think about God's love, because his character and his love must sh shape our own parenting. That you, when you look at, think about God's face, that you are the look of God's face. You are the touch of his hand and you are the tone of his voice. And this is why parents have incredible power in the life of their children. And so for us, if we're going to grow as parents, let's cast our eyes to our Heavenly Father and seek to become more and more like him. And this is a truth for all of us. That, and this is a nourishing truth for all of us. Whether or not you are a parent or not because you have a heavenly father who loves you and cares for you and provides for you. And he is always faithful to you. Let's look to him and praise him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your loving and faithful and patient parenting. We thank you that you are one who runs to us and pursues us, that you never run away, that you never discard or just move on. And so, Father, we pray that you, your love would shape our lives, that we would be reparented by your fatherly care for us. Just thank you for your love and care. And we pray that your spirit would make us more like you in the coming days and weeks.
It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.